0: Oh, what? Good morning everybody, welcome to another Sensory Matters show, episode 66, would you believe it? And this week we are all together again, so good morning Lorraine and Katie. Good morning. Morning. Morning, how are we all? Yeah, good
1: thanks.
2: I'm
0: very singy today clearly. <laughs> morning. Yes. Uh, Good, glad you're all grand. So this week we are going to talk a bit about last week's podcast, which is an interesting one because it was all about autistic pride. And uh, this month, June, is Pride Month. And Lorraine, Katie and myself have all picked up on the fact that people are very confused by autistic pride. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about what the guys spoke about last week. But before we do, we're just going to clear up exactly what it is. Um, because certainly when I got in touch with these people who are kind of involved in organising it and making sure it runs and people get involved, I had the same opinion as probably a lot of people, which is I thought it was to do with LGBT. So I thought it was autistic people who were also LGBT. But it's not, is it, Lorraine? No,
1: nope. and I've seen a lot on online recently about, oh, is it for autistic LGBT? And it's not, it's just for autistic people to celebrate being autistic and how great and cool they are.
0: Yeah. And what's fascinating about it, I think, is it just shows how strongly that pride word has become associated with LGBT. Yeah,
2: yeah, Yeah, it really is quite fascinating, isn't it, how people associate that one word with LGBT. But it's being linked back to lots of um, minority groups now and it's still has its meaning of just being
1: proud as well. Yeah, and they did say in the podcast about there's not just autistic pride, there's lots of disability prides now.
0: Yes, absolutely. But I think it's it's a really good example of excellent marketing and branding that really LGBT still own the pride word. Mm, yeah, it's... You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, but yes, anyway, so that clears up what it is. It is just... I'm autistic and I'm proud and that's perfectly fine to be Um, and it's a way of people getting together and celebrating that um, together and getting involved raising awareness things like that so from what you heard the three of them chat about what things did you pick up on that you found interesting
2: I think the main thing that I picked up on was when they were saying about it's not an awareness event which I thought was quite interesting yeah Um, me too it's not an event that, you know, like uh, the autism show or um, any other kind of convention where the aim is to educate and to uh, inform and bring awareness. It's more about um, acceptance and personal growth, your own personal journey, as opposed to um information spreading it's more about you know reflection and and what you think about yourself which i thought was a really good way of explaining it um the journey you go on in autistic pride because i went to cardiff autistic pride last year um it's so different to any other event that i've been to because it was so internal you think about things from your own perspective as opposed to from like a community perspective i feel
0: yeah so what was that like having gone there what what was the event what did the event look like
2: so Autistic Pride in Cardiff, which is also happening again this year for any of the Welsh listeners out there. Um, it's in a lovely you know massive park in the center of Cardiff Butte Park. And um, we all took like picnic blankets along, and there were um, sensory aids and a big sort of plastic tub that we could all just take and, and play with and and enjoy. Um, there were speakers, there was live music, poetry, um, it was just like a day of celebrating our community and meeting new people. And it was just a really awesome environment where I I feel like I met so many like really good friends from that event because yeah. it was just really raw. There wasn't a lot of like fuss and floof and over the top, you know, things. It was just we're autistic. This is who we are. Let's get to know each other and, and chat And like they were saying in the podcast, it is a thing about you can kind of be on the outskirts. You can be a little bit more involved. You can be as involved um, as you want with it. Um, And the whole sort of no walls, which was really interesting as well for the podcast.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I liked it in the podcast, um, particularly the Hyde Park one about how there was an autistic adult who had never met other autistic people before. And just come across the autistic pride. And I think it's a great way to meet other autistic people.
2: Yeah, it really is, and in such an authentic way as well. Like, I, I do feel like a lot of our social interactions as autistic individuals are often, you know, reliant on the internet and online. It's where a lot of us feel safe, which is, you know, a brilliant thing in itself. It gives us a lot of um, freedom, independence, social um, skills online. But being able to take those skills and put them into the real world and actually meet people who you know, struggle in the same ways and have the same kind of—I don't know—experiences. Um, it's just amazing.
0: Yeah, and it must, be, it must be a less threatening event to go to because you know that everybody that's there is either autistic or understands it or accepts it, or and and therefore you've not got that anxiety around your own social interaction, and you can just literally go and be you.
2: Definitely, it was. It's one of those things that I just. I always want to tell people, just, just go, go and experience what this is like, because you will come away from it a different person. If you are an autistic individual and you have felt at any point in your life, um, isolated or on the outskirts, just push yourself, look up where your nearest pride event is and just go along. Even if you just watch from afar, because the feelings that you get in that event are seriously just unlike anything. I think that you can experience in everyday life because there is such this ease and acceptance and just this level of complete understanding.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I don't want to sound rude because there was three people on the podcast, so I really struggle to remember names. Um but one thing that I took from the podcast was the little boy who'd gone to Pride and he they were signing the board and he said, Oh, I'm autistic. And then the adult said, Oh, I'm autistic too. And he's like, I didn't know there was autistic adults. Yes, that's um, and now that kid has met an autistic adult, and he's going to go home and be like, "Oh my god, there's like so many autistic adults, and I'm going to be this really cool autistic adult because he's seen all of these people at Pride." Yeah, yeah, and I thought that was so heartwarming,
2: mm. and it was a positive, it like introduction as well to it. It was like, wow, you know. It's not a case of, oh, I'm seeing autistic adults that are all out of work or struggling. Um, it was, wow, I've seen this autistic adult who's here today, like proud of who they are. Like, God, yeah. that's such a good role model to have. And like the power of that is amazing.
0: Totally. and And I think the other thing is you would think in many ways an event like this is totally the opposite to what, An autistic person might want to go to because it's big and it's crowded and there's music and there's things happening and all the rest of it but equally what they were saying is what you said Katie about how involved or otherwise you want to be Mm. um so that there are options to sit on the periphery and get as involved or as not um and also removing that barrier of worrying about the social interactions as well maybe helps manage all of that too
2: yeah I also think it's really important to emphasize as well that this is also an event that is great for um allies carers um people who just want to know a little bit more about um the autistic world um i took my friends along to cardiff autistic pride last year his name is bradley he is not on the spectrum he's just a really good friend of mine who fancies coming along and he loved it he had such a fun day and he turned to me and he was like this is a great I want to come again next year. You know, he loved it. So um, take along friends, family members. Um, it's not just about autistic people. It's about, you know, the wider community as well and opening our world up to um, to people who may not know a lot about it.
0: Yeah, makes sense. So are you going to go again? Absolutely. Great. <laughs> I'm booked in. What and about you, you Is well, there we, any near you? Because non- I know you're a bit in the sticks.
1: No, there's none near me, which got me thinking, do I organize one for next year? That's a great idea. I don't want to put too much pressure on myself, but it could start off super small and then grow mm-hmm. from there. Yeah, that's a really
0: good idea because I, I think remote communities like yours need it as well. And yeah. the fact that you're getting a school um, yeah. nearby, there must be plenty of people that would benefit from it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know loads of autistic families locally. Um, I think mm-hmm. because we're quite rural and spread out, it's mm-hmm. difficult to but this school that they're opening—they've like pinpointed the exact location that's central to each side of, of Cumbria. So that then tells me that where I am is perfect, perfect location to do something like an autistic pride next year. Fantastic! Yeah, so I will definitely look into it.
0: Yeah, too right. Cool. Anything else from the pride podcast, or about Pride Month in general, seen as it's Pride Month?
1: Uh, well, from the pride podcast just because we don't have anything local to us they did say that because it's a personal thing if you just want to go out and have a picnic and meet up with some friends just do something for autistic pride it doesn't have to be a big event
0: yes and there's still plenty that can be done online because the events are posted and chatted about and you can get involved in those discussions and share them and so that more people find out
1: yeah
0: yeah okay cool right so um the sun article so this is our newsworthy thing of the week and there's been an article in fact it's not just been in the sun it's been all over the place um lorraine you picked this one up so tell us
1: a bit about it uh, yeah, so it's carrie and david grant's daughter she's been out of school for 18 months um So basically the the gist is she's too autistic for mainstream and too academic for specialist school. They did get her into a specialist secondary school, which lasted for six weeks, and then they said that they couldn't um, accommodate her there. So she sat every day, the family's just waiting for a school to become available, and I've been in that situation, and there are so many families in that situation, and it shouldn't be happening.
0: no. No, I was gonna say the story does ring very similarly to your own.
1: Mm-hmm. So what what is the
0: solution? Because there must be thousands of families in this position.
1: Well, see, I don't know if this is just wishful thinking on my part, but I think that the amount of money that is spent on children with education healthcare plans, for example, in a mainstream setting, mm. couldn't that be put to more use in smaller specialist provisions? Mm. Like, I'm just thinking out loud here because I'm trying to think of all all the things that we've been through. And I remember seeing Jamie's education healthcare plan when she tried mainstream and thinking, do you know what? The money that they're spending, she could have a private tutor. Yeah. So just the
0: cost of actually developing the plan? Just the money that's spent on the
1: one-to-one and the things that that are written into that plan that she needs. Right. Um, Yeah. Even at mainstream.
0: But then, with her one to one, did she get one person one to one, or did that one person give one to one to lots of people?
1: Uh, no, for Jamie, when she tried the mainstream, she had one to one all the right. time, apart from lunchtime and break time. Right. Um,
0: so you're saying instead of that, have have someone that comes to the house?
1: Yeah. So just I can't remember I mean, because it was so long ago. But I'm thinking off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure it was something like eleven, twelve thousand pounds a year that was spent on on Jamie's one-to-one, right. or what she needed. So then, obviously, mainstream didn't work. Yeah. And I'm, I was thinking, well, surely this money could be used for a private tutor. Yeah. Or if there's, like, 10 kids, then, like, they could have a little group. Yeah. You know, like, get a, a provision that, that they've got these kids and they, all the money goes into a, a a pot and they have a teacher that teaches all these kids and a couple of one-to-ones, and because it's a smaller environment and they can teach specifically to the kids' needs. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I don't know how easy this would be to do, but that was just as a parent, I was thinking, you know, there's there's logical ways around it, surely. Mm, Yeah.
0: Yeah, but without being disrespectful to the powers that be, public
1: sector just don't think like that, do they? They're so slow. Obviously, we did get Jamie into a specialist provision, which is like 200 miles away, and I just think the cost of that provision...
0: Oh yeah.
1: Um I think how many cuz where we are is rural we don't have anything here. So how many children are going out of county? How much money is being spent out of county that they could bring that money back in? Yeah. And do something locally. Yeah.
0: If it was your own money, you wouldn't be doing it this way, would you? No,
1: not at all. Mm-hmm
0: which is, 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 yeah, what's what's really wrong with our system in many ways.
1: Yeah, and we're very lucky, as you mentioned before in, earlier in the podcast, we're getting a local um, autistic academy, and it's op- due to open in September. Now, I started off on the steering group for this school years and years ago. There was um, four of us, and... It got too much for me, so I stepped away, as did some of the other ladies, but there's one lady who's stuck with it, and she's gone and gone and fought and fought, and she's got this autistic academy starting in September, and she's done an amazing job, but it has been down to parents. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Um, and and she's worked so hard, and she has two autistic children who aren't even going to go to that school. My goodness. Yeah, so... We should get
0: her on and talk to her. That would be very interesting yeah, to hear about her journey and the fight that she's had to go through to make this happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, when, when we were going through the initial getting the school together, it got mm. way too much for me with the issues that I had with Jamie. And I remember saying, look, I'm really sorry, I, I can't do this anymore. So yeah. to think that she's carried on all these years and fought and fought with two, two autistic children herself, I just think yeah. she's done an amazing job and it, it's going to open up so many possibilities for young people in my area. Oh fantastic good honour well done that woman definitely so let's take a quick break I'm
0: not finished on this topic we'll come back to it in a second but we'll take a quick break for now
1: we have just launched a brand new product over on our website the Mama Smart hands-on magnet this is a revolutionary way to keep your kids safe around cars Go and check them out on our website. Prices start from £13.95 or one credit. And if you need any help or support, please go to Facebook and join our sensory support group where you will find lots of like-minded people with great help and advice. Now back to the podcast.
0: Right. Welcome back, everybody. So we were chatting about the article that's hit the news this week with Carrie Grant's daughter um, being too autistic for mainstream and not autistic enough for special school. And Lorraine was chatting about her experience and how we could maybe reuse the money and make it work better to provide private tutors. But the other thing I'm thinking about is um, if a mainstream school can't cope with people who are air quotes, too autistic, um, then what needs to change in mainstream school?
2: Mm,
0: That's an interesting one. Yeah. (sighs) Because it's either either that we need a tutor situation like Lorraine's suggesting, or we need the mainstream school to change, or we need the specialist school to change, or we need a school that sits in the middle.
2: Yeah. It's finding that middle ground, I think, because sort of when we've just been talking, I've just been sat here thinking and I'm like why is there this massive pressure for our children to stay in mainstream education yeah why? and I think- why is that the preferred option for like the government like is it money if it's not money like we were talking about and we were sort of saying about if they had put that money into another form of education maybe it would have been like equal or even less than trying to keep a child in mainstream education what what are the perks is it to keep them in like the normal path in society to get them better education but surely specialist educational schools can give that to children now like what what is the perk why is there a pressure i'm
0: i'm confused (laughs) (laughs) i suspect it is because it's the way it's always been done yeah um and, and people believe that i think the same pressure exists for anyone going to school that you you kind of given the rules, if you like, that the longer you stay in education, the better your life will be. Yes. And therefore, the less burden on society you will be in the future in terms of unemployment benefits and all these other things. Mm. So I think that they don't think outside of that. They only think, keep as many children as possible, regardless of what's going on in school, because that's the only way to give them the best chance at being less of a burden on the country's finances in the future
2: yeah it's sort of it, it kind of reminds me of of some of the ways that um the nhs kind of goes about things like we, i think a lot of us have probably experienced especially in like mental health services um just being treated for like the surface things and it's just sort of keeping you you know just ticking over just healthy or you know um just able to kind of function Uh, when in fact you're probably spending more money on that sort of short-term care if instead of implementing a slightly more expensive or sometimes much more expensive um, long-term care system that actually will save money in the long run because you will experience a much better outcome and you'll probably find that your life is much better and more fulfilled afterwards that you are no longer needing to use the NHS. You're no longer um, possibly you're back to work. You can come off benefits. Um, it sort of has that same kind of feel to me that maybe if we ploughed a little bit more money into giving children the educational needs, um, possibly within mainstream or sometimes outside of mainstream, to ensure that we're not I don't know, spending money in the long term to help them. Um, maybe they have a much better outcome because they've gotten a much more stable education.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I, again, I'm thinking out loud like Lorraine. Yeah, the problem is that they're taking money away from special education needs Yeah. Um, rather than putting more money into it. And we've, we're in a SEND crisis. I don't know if you know about the marches that took place at the end of May. I think I heard, no. I heard a little bit about them. Yes, no, I did, I did, I did, yeah. Yeah, Yes, at the end of May, I think it was arranged by Anna Kennedy. I think she organised it all. So there was lots of marches, um, especially in London, about the SEND crisis, and it's basically they're taking money away and they're not – more and more children are being recognised as having special education needs. And so you'd think they'd be putting more money into it to help them. Mm. And families are left in awful situations where they mm-hmm. children at home expected to home educate. For, I mean, I home educated for years yeah. and and I did it because, you know, I wanted the best for my child, but that's not the ideal situation. No. And the reason that I home educated is because Jamie went to a mainstream primary with an ASD unit at this particular time. And the, the aim was that she went there and she was fed into the secondary school that also had a unit attached. Now, it was either year three or year four that I pulled her out because we then found out that the unit had been removed from the secondary school and they weren't utilizing it anymore. It was and it was just mainstream again. Right. Yeah. So how they've got that provision, it's there and it's empty. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's just insane. We just need to take over running the country, really, don't we? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Leader contest. Get them out. Let's let's go for Lorraine, Jenny, and Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know it is it's infuriating but it 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 feels a bit to me like the titanic heading for an iceberg mm. in that we need to turn the boat yeah but the boat's too big to turn yeah you know and and just the it just feels massive to make the changes that are needed but someone's got to do it it's just got to happen yeah
2: i think the worst thing is it um from like our point of view the solution is so simple we can we yeah. can sit here in how long we've we been chatting like less than 10 minutes about this and we've already found like three or four different solutions and but obviously the people sitting much higher up there's clearly whether it's finance which i'm sure it is um there's something stopping them you know if we can think about these things surely they can as well but there's something stopping the train of thought yeah. from, and it's, i think that's what's frustrating.
0: i think it's more than finance i think i think when you're talking of big things like that there is it's red tape Mm -hmm. there's so many decision makers there's so many warriors who want to have their point of view put across and will fight one solution and someone else will fight the other solution and it's almost like you can't win we kind of need a change in view that people just want an improvement rather than their own agenda sometimes as well yeah yeah, anyway, I could talk about this all day. We've got more to chat about. So, um, as usual, we have a sensory matter. What is that this week?
1: Well, this will air next week on Monday, and that is the week that we are at the autism show. Okay. So we will be there Friday and Saturday, the 21st and 22nd of June at the Birmingham NEC. Mm-hmm. And this year, we've got a one-to-one clinic. Woohoo!
0: So what's that going to be about?
1: Okay, so it's a sensory clinic. So people, um, you can't book the clinic until you get there. So you have to go to the show. So you go to the show and when you get there in, in the morning, or whatever time you get there at the main reception, you can book a half an hour slot. So myself and Katie are going to be doing this. Um, and we've got forms to fill out to go through sensory issues with people and basically help people that are struggling with sensory problems to find safe alternative solutions and turn it around to make Things work for you? Yeah. Great. Basically. That sounds really good. Doesn't yeah. it? So yeah. we've got the clinic on the Friday and the Saturday of the show. Um, they are half-hour slots, and they do need to be booked on the day. Right. And, yeah, just any anybody who's struggling with sensory, especially dangerous sensory-seeking behaviours. Yes. You know, who want a bit of help and advice. There's people out there that don't understand sensory at all. You know, we yeah. we just want to help whoever we can. And Brilliant. It's just the ideal opportunity, isn't it, to have face-to-face with some parents and, and you know, chat through their struggles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And
2: sometimes it can be quite uh, intimidating having those conversations on, like, a, on a stand at one of these shows. Um, I know when I've been to, like, the autism show before, it's taken me, like, at least the first two and a half hours to even, like, build up the confidence to go up to one of the stands, because it's it can be quite a full out environment so having like a one-to-one where you can just sit down and we can just chat in a quiet room um without all of the hustle and bustle of everything else like um i think it'll be really really helpful and hopefully it'll be helpful to people um so yeah come and see us if you're there uh book in or just come and see us at the stand if you would just want a little chat with one of us you could just pull us aside we'll be throwing
1: around yeah, so we'll have the one-to-one clinic, we'll have the stand, and then we've got a talk on the Friday and the Saturday. The talk is autism and the senses, so if you want to understand a bit more about how the senses are affected, then come and listen to us in Hub 2. Yeah, And then pop great. up to the stand, there'll be lots of Chewy Gem uh, people around.
0: Yeah, all ready and eager to meet people and help you out, so... Definitely. I'm not going this year. It's the first year I've not been going and I'm, I'm, I'm really torn and finding that difficult. It's horrible. <laughs> um, but I'll be in America, which may be slightly better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: yeah, I think I'll survive. Um, yeah. So anyway, I hope everyone has a great show and do, if you're, you're heading to the autism show, go see the ladies cause they would gladly help you. Um, okay. So the next one is the listener's question of the week. Lorraine, you've got this, haven't you?
1: Yeah, um, so we were asked this week if we were going out and we could only take one sensory item with us, what would be our sensory item of choice?
0: Mm, Katie, what would yours be?
1: First of all, thank you to the person who
2: asked this question. It's impossible. You've, you've. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's like one of the, it's like one of that. It's like, oh, what would you take to a, the island if you were stranded? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. Um. I think the first thing that pops into my head, and I'm not just saying this because I work for Chewy Gem, I would genuinely take the Kiki Comforter with me. I think that would be my one of choice. Mainly because um that I need that to fall asleep. Okay. If I could only use that one and I could only take that, let's say if I was like staying overnight somewhere, if I was travelling, like I, I rely on that one so heavily because I need that to fall asleep now. So Mm. I'm 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 what in the club. You, I'm, I'm in the club of putting the Kiki comforter on my head. I know that there is uh, there's a club out there. I know that there's <laughs> people listening who who will feel yeah. me and relate to me on that one. Yeah, if you haven't tried it, try it.
1: <laughs> cool. What about you, Lorraine? <sighs> so I'm stuck between sunglasses and headphones. Uh, right, got gun to
0: head. You have to choose one. <sighs>
1: Well, I've recently realised that I can block out noise. Oh, how how do you do that? Right, so you know like how Matilda moves things with her eyes? Yeah. The other day I was laying in bed and I've got a ceiling fan and it makes the most horrific noise. And Mm. I just started focusing my mind to block the noise out. Mm. And I I did it. Mm. And so the noise went and then I kept focusing to get it back and then it would go and it would come back. And I don't know if it's all in my head, but I definitely blocked out the noise of that fan. So then I'll have to take sunglasses.
0: Fair enough. Because
1: I can't block out light. Oh, no, that's true. It's so hard. <laughs> it's a hard one, isn't it? But a good yeah. one. So because pe- people look at me like I'm a crazy lady because I'll be walking the dog and it's not sunny at all, but I still have my sunglasses on.
2: Oh, same. I've actually got yelled at before. I was walking down uh, in a car park uh, to Asda's, one of the supermarkets that we have here, and... Um, I was I was it was like pouring rain and I was still in my sunglasses because I actually find my light sensitivity worse when it's raining because it's a different type of reflection and it's all sort of everything's wet, everything's shiny. So I feel like I need my sunglasses more when it's really wet. And this one guy was driving in his car, he just passed me and he just screams at the top of his lungs, It's not sunny. And and I never normally respond to these things but I don't know what happened and instantly the switch kind of flipped and I just yelled back at him I'm autistic (laughs) and it was just like oh I never normally do that and it was just something happened that day that I was just like it was almost like a reflex I just yelled back and oh it got me thinking about well I when that happened I actually put on my Instagram like how do we react to these situations when we're sort of called out in public do we react should we not but that's a whole other topic of conversation that maybe we can go into next week
1: yeah I mean I I do get people staring at me because I drive with my sunglasses on at night Mm, things like that because I can't cope with the the lights from other cars Mm. Um, and I do get people looking at me strangely but I don't know what I would do if somebody actually said something
2: yeah it was weird yeah
0: let's save that let's save that and add it to discussion next time because that's that's really interesting Mm. Because I'm sure lots of people have been on the receiving end of that. Yes. Yeah. Um, Okay, cool. So we have covered our three topics um, and we are pretty much done for this week. Next week, we have got um, SWAN, which is Scottish Women's Autism Network, which is a really fantastic organisation and quite similar to, well, no, not similar to Pride, but sort of in that you can only be in it if you're autistic. Um it's, it's really fascinating what this woman's done. So that's definitely one to listen to next week. And then the week after that, the two of you two will be back because I'll be away. Um, and that might happen for a couple of weeks and then we'll be back to normal. But before we go, Katie, have you started that book yet? It's on the way. I've ordered it. Okay. It's on the way to me. <laughs> right. Okay. Hurry up, Amazon or whoever's delivering yeah. it. And then when I get back, we can have a chat about definitely. that. Because that's really All right. Well, have a fantastic show, you guys, next week. Thank you very much. Um, I will be back on in a few weeks. In the meantime, I'll leave you in the capable hands of Lorraine and Katie for the next few weeks. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye well that's it for this week and thank you once again for listening we really do appreciate it if you've got time and you can spare 30 seconds then go and give us a five-star review on itunes it really helps other people find our content and we know that our content and our episodes are so helpful to our community with lots of hints and tips and interesting interviews so go and do your kind deed of the day and leave us a five-star review on itunes to help others find us also so that you know never miss an episode and you get a notification when a new one is available why not hit subscribe and that way you'll never miss us finally if you're not already a member of our fantastic facebook support group i suggest you go join it we'd love to see you in there there's loads of fantastic chat lots of peer-to-peer support from people in the same boat as you so go and search on facebook for the chewy gem sensory support group and let us know what you're thinking of our episodes speak to you then bye (coughs)